Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Success Stories in Private Practice. Today I'm joined with a friend and colleague, Whitney Owens, who owns Waters Edge Counseling in Savannah, Georgia, and Whitney Owens Consulting as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Kelly. I'm excited to be on the show. We've known each other a few years, Mm -hmm. um, and I always know you as the faith-based coach. (laughs) That's how I just kind of like, that's your thing, right? Like, hopefully that's with, a good thing. Yeah, no, but like you work with the faith-based um, practices and people who want to integrate that part of their life into their work. I think it's beautiful. Well, thank how, you. Yeah. I, I want to share your story of success in your private practice and then how you move that into consulting. Cause I think a lot of therapists are curious about that. Um, so tell me about when you started your private practice and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't everyone have an interesting story for this? I'm, I'm smiling <laughs> here as I think about it. So I was out in Colorado while my husband actually was in seminary and I worked at a hospital at the time. And there was another girl, it's actually Dawn Gabriel. She owns Faith Fringes. She and I met by working at the hospital ages mm-hmm. ago. And she was going into a practice and invited me to join her in this group practice. So I saw clients there for a few months. Then we found out that the owner was crazy and she fired all of us in one day and called it bloody Monday. Oh, that's <laughs> yes. Awful. So that was like private practice where I worked at a practice and we were freaking out. I mean, all the therapists, we all got kicked out of our EHRs. Fortunately, I had gone in and pulled all the records before she kicked me out. So I had a feeling that was going to happen. So I could contact my clients, but a lot of them could not. Mm. Um, but we were like, we've got to set up shop fast if we mm-hmm. want to be able to continue working. So within one week, six of us rented two <laughs> offices, we split it all up and I started a private practice. Now I never went into it thinking I want to start a private practice. I just wanted to do private practice. And then I kind of got forced into it within one week. Wow. wow. Yeah. Mm. So did you see it as just like office sharing or did you go with a group model. Yeah. Yeah. And so back then there really wasn't a lot of education on mm-hmm. all this stuff. I mean, there weren't terminology. Like you yeah. just asked, we were all just like, okay, well, we'll all go get our own LLCs and we mm-hmm. will just share the office space. So we don't have to pay so much in rent. Mm-hmm. We will mutually refer within one yeah. another, but we're mm-hmm. all going to do our own business. And yeah, back then I wasn't licensed yet. But in Colorado, you can do a private practice without being fully licensed. Correct. Yeah. It wasn't like that in Georgia when I moved here. So, yeah. So we kind of were more like a collective. Mm-hmm. Say. We had one website that we were all on there, even though we all had our own businesses. Mm. And then how did it go from there? Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a few years. Loved it. Worked with a great group of women. And then my husband got a job here in Savannah, Georgia. So we moved here to Savannah and then it felt like starting at ground zero again, right? Like Mm. I don't have my practice anymore. And, you know, these days people do across state, you know, Mm -hmm. that wasn't something happening back then. Um, So when I got here, I applied for any and every job I could possibly get. And I didn't know anybody, so I couldn't get any jobs. 
Hmm. And someone from graduate school saw that I'd moved to Savannah and he was like, oh, I'm from Savannah. You should meet my friend, Jimbo. (laughs) His name is Jimbo. He lives in Georgia. And so Jimbo and I had coffee. We had very similar views on counseling and faith integration. And he was like, why don't we just rent space and start seeing clients? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> so just kind of did it, you know? And I remember going to the junior service league and getting my furniture at the thrift store and <laughs> the old tables my mom had. And I got a desk from an old hotel that was getting rid of furniture and, you know, started seeing clients. So that was in 2014, January. So it's going to be eight years next oh, month. I yeah. love that. Did you always know you wanted faith to be part of your practice? Yes. I, well, I grew up faith, you know, Christian. Christian Mm -hmm. setting. Um, And just when I thought about being a counselor, I just didn't feel like I could do it without my faith influencing the way I do it. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean that that becomes a part of every session or I only work with faith-based clients, but it means something to me. So I think about faith when I'm working with clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I come from the seminary world. That's where my training was for my MFT. And there's lots of different beliefs on that integration. How do you, what's your approach to integrating faith in the work? Yes. This is a great question. And this is some of the reason why I became a consultant. I felt like people weren't doing it very well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so it needs to be Mm client-led, not therapist-led. Like, And I remember being in graduate school because when I started graduate school, I'll just be honest, I was arrogant. I thought I knew everything and all the stuff. So we're sitting in class and I was going into school thinking, I'm going to save everyone for Jesus and therapy, blah, blah, blah. And this guy says, you know, Jesus never pushed himself on anybody. Mm -hmm. It was an invitation. And then he walked away, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you want to follow him, you can follow him. You don't have to, but he was a gentleman about it. Oh, like I'm going about this all wrong. Like, why Mm. do I force my faith on people? This is ridiculous. That is not how you love and care for people. Mm. And so that kind of changed the way that I think of it. So yeah, my integration, you know, in the first session, we talk about if faith is a part of their life or spirituality, just like I do, you know, medical problems, family, all the things we do in an intake. Mm-hmm. And then if they say that faith is a part of their life, I get a little bit more deep. Like, what does that mean for you? Is that something you want to talk about in therapy, blah, blah, blah. And just kind of let them direct that conversation. Hmm. Yeah. I think when you talk about faith, let's just clarify, because some people are like, is that only Christian? Yeah. <laughs> is that all faiths? You know, what does that look like in a diverse world? Yes. I think faith can mean lots of things. It can mean lots of different denominations, faith backgrounds. It could be Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, all the things. Um, And I actually think we can do faith integration with clients, even if it's not our own faith, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I have a Muslim client in my office, you know, I adhere to a Christian background, so it's different than a Muslim background, but we can use faith to edify our clients, even if they're not the same faith as us right? We learn about their faith. We ask them about their faith. We ask them, what resources do you use? How does this help you in your depression, your anxiety, those types of things? Now, for me as a consultant, I specifically focus on Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And just over time, I've realized that I'm not, I'm not the best at doing the other work and I Mm -hmm. need to just figure out what am I really good at and what am I not? So as a consultant, that is what I focus on. When I say faith-based, I mean more like Christian consulting. I don't Mm -hmm. like to use the word Christian because it has so many negative (laughs) connotations to it. Mm -hmm. But I do think in clinical sense, 
we should be able to work with all different types of faiths and we should challenge ourselves to learn about it and respect every single one of them. Yeah. And if you can't refer out, don't take something that you're not comfortable with or able to sit with or support, please refer out. Please do not (laughs) work through your own biases with your client's pain. Don't do that refer out until Mm -hmm. you get support and consultation to be able to do that, you know, um, to work with them. What do you think? I mean, when you did your private practice, did you focus it on being a Christian counseling or a faith-based practice? in your marketing or was it just once they came to you, you do the intake and then it would come up? Yes. Great question. It's actually been the same the whole time. I have, you know, now I have a group practice, right? So I do not, I'm not overt about my faith on my website or in my marketing strategy because I don't want to see only Christian clients. In fact, I find that boring. (laughs) Like I want to see a variety of clients Um, I also don't want to turn people away by faith-based language on my website. Mm -hmm. So I have to be really careful about that. Um, We, so we have some undertones that make it sound spiritual in a way, Mm -hmm. Christian in a way. Um, We're called Water's Edge Counseling, which is on the water. And when I think of water, I think of baptism, renewal, that kind of, that kind of feeling, which is some Christian tone. Our logo is the scallop shell, which comes from the Camino de Santiago, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful story about his body washing up and the scallop shells are on St. James. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that comes from. So it's got a religious connotation, but if you don't know that story, you're just going to see a shell and think water's edge counseling. Oh, the water Savannah, you know, and mm-hmm. not really think twice about it. So we'll have people call the office and say, oh, you're a Christian practice, but nothing on our website except one page that says Christian counseling. And I'm talking about, we've got lots of pages. So it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. out there. Um, Christians will get it. They'll see Mm -hmm. the symbols, but then people who are not faith-based will also feel welcome to come because they don't feel like faith is in their face. And how did you decide to move into group? Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of the things I'm sharing with you, they just kind of happen sometimes. (laughs) They do. Yeah. Yeah. So I had my, started my solo practice in 2014, had my second baby in 2016. So that kind of dropped my caseload a little. And then by 2017, it was like right back up there and I had a wait list and I was just like, gosh, I can't keep doing this. Like, this is exhausting. Answering the phone all the time. I can't serve these people. I could have greater impact if I trained somebody to serve these people. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought about myself, like I really wanted to do private practice for years and needed someone to take a chance on me and hire me. And then that they did, you know, and then they fired me, but (laughs) at least I got to do private practice. So I can give other people this opportunity to do private practice and they don't have to do these agency jobs that they don't want to do. So it was kind of twofold in that. Um, And then I just threw a lot of prayer and a lot of honestly, just um, looking for signs like, maybe this will work out. Maybe this Mm -hmm. will work out. And then everything kept working out. I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. So anyway, 2018, I hired my first, um, first person. And then I hired another a few months later. So I actually hired three people in the first year. Mm. Yeah. How has faith played into your role as a leader of the group practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think owning a private practice pushes all your buttons. (laughs) It's just another family you're creating. (laughs) So yeah. Mm -hmm. Messes with all your stuff. So 
that that kind of goes with your faith, right? Like a lot of trust and dependency on God as I'm growing the business, I'm looking for wisdom and direction as I'm making decisions. So that could be, you know, what coach to work with, what program to do, um, the hiring process. Um, it definitely influences our hiring in the sense of we don't hire based on someone's faith, mm-hmm. but we do hire asking them, you know, if a Christian client came in and said, I want a Christian perspective, can you work with them ethically appropriately if they're asking for that, just because we get so many referrals for that being mm-hmm. in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it influences it all in that way. And a group practice honestly allows me to have a better lifestyle, mm-hmm. which is good for my faith and my well-being. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then from there you started consulting. Yes. So um that's always an interesting story. I did not want to be a consultant. I thought there were too many consultants out there doing all these things. I was like, Oh, I don't want to put my face out there. Like this is, you know, and I kept running away from it for a while. And then I was on a business retreat. I was walking on this hike and looking at the water and just the awe of it, you know, it's just so big and vast and beautiful. And I had this like inner, not a real voice, an inner voice, you know, that, that felt Mm -hmm. it. It was like, Whitney, you are so focused on all the things you don't need to be focused on. You need to be focused on the main thing, which is helping faith-based practice owners. It's kind of reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible, because one of them is preparing for Jesus's arrival and she's busy doing all these other things. But then Mary's actually sitting with Jesus and doing the thing that actually matters. So I think a lot of times, if you're religious or not, we all get wrapped up into busyness and into all the things that don't really matter. Mm -hmm. And so we need to take a step back and be like, Oh, this is what matters. Mm -hmm. So like I can keep running my practice and do good work with my clients, but if I can do consulting and then empower all these other practice owners, they can do better. They can retain their employees better. They can serve more clients. They know because a lot of people don't know how to market. I know y'all are like experts on that. Like always teaching about marketing. I got to teach faith-based practice owners how to market so that they can be known in their community. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how, how that came about. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, an important thing to, for faith-based practices to distinguish, you know, if you, if how you integrate faith in the work needs to show up in your marketing, because if you aren't honest about that from the get-go, you're going to end up in a lot of quandaries with clients and poor fits that really you could have referred out. So some of, you know, some of the therapists I work with are very much like they bring in ritual and a spiritual tradition into their work. And they do talk about that because it's important for people who, who desire that to know that it's an option and those who want nothing to do with it to know that it's probably not for them. Um, and I, I think it's knowing your own faith will help inform you of how you're going to show up in the rest of your life and your business and your marketing on your website or whatever. But first it starts with you and what you know to be true, you know, Mm -hmm. your story, what your comfort is and how you choose to work. And there's always this concern I get from people of, well, I don't want to push other people away, you know, but I feel like there's enough out there, a lot, enough people hurting that um, there's the right people for you. I think you're exactly right, Kelly. And we're helping clients find the best fit therapist. Don't waste the client's time coming to see you because you didn't let them know who you really were. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. 
So what are some common issues that you see coming up in faith-based practices lately? Oh, good question. Um, okay. So a big one is inability to work with churches. And I say that because churches don't know how to refer out to competent therapists. True that. (laughs) Yep. In a lot of churches, especially here, and I've had this happen so many times, they are like, oh, we do all of our counseling in-house. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know. You know, like I remember in seminary, like sometimes the um, pastoral track would be sitting in on a psych class and I'd be like, you know, this is not sufficient. (laughs) This is not enough for you to go off and do couples therapy. Like you're just getting an understanding so you can refer. Like it is not for you to be doing it all in-house. Yeah, because it's a common common cultural thing um, in a lot of churches. Yes. So we teach therapists a lot on how do you like talk to churches? How do you market to them? Um, In fact, I did just do like a whole podcast episode, Wise Practice Podcast Episode 7 was all about, 7 and 8, it's all about how do you network with churches? How do you talk to pastors? What do you say to pastors? Because that is such an issue in in this field. And then I also think along with that is pricing. It's this idea that, oh, well, if counseling is a part of my mission, then I shouldn't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't get paid what I need. And all therapists struggle with that. But I think specifically faith-based practice owners, even more so, it's like churches and Christians expect them to lower their rates because that's the right thing, the kind thing to do. And it's just not okay because then you're never going to be able to sustain. You're going to hurt your clients in the long run because you're stressed about money. And yeah. all We could go into a whole conversation on that, but mm-hmm. that's another big one that I see. Mm. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, this, and this is just so awful that it even has to be talked about, but there's just so much judgment around different communities, Hmm. you know, and Christians think that your sexuality should be a certain way. You should be in these types of relationships and that's just not true. And then unfortunately that gets pushed onto clients and it's heartbreaking. And so I do think that's another issue within faith-based practices that has to be addressed and changed. How do you talk about that as a consultant? Like yeah. when you come up against that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, <clears throat> this has been a challenge. I'll just be honest. Personally, as I've grown, I've taken time to read books, especially on LGBTQ issues and stuff like that. And so I get a lot of questions about, oh, well, if a couple comes in and they're gay, how am I supposed to work with them? Mm. And I'm just like, really? Like, are we really still having this conversation? <laughs> So I let them know how I affirm those relationships. Like you work with the couple, they're still a couple, just like, you know, a heterosexual couple. Like, so I let them know that I'm affirming and sometimes people like that. And sometimes people don't like that, but that's, that's how I feel like it should be. And so I feel like more faith-based practices need to be considering that because it's so important. I mean, we already know that this community is marginalized and has high mental health problems. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go judge them. Like, come on. Yeah. I think again, if you're listening and you don't know what you would do with a couple that's different than the heteronormative that you see in the world, refer out, please. There's tons of clinicians who are qualified, who love that community, who not only affirm, but are specialized in that, working with that community Mm -hmm. that would gladly um, see those clients. And if you can't just be okay with that and refer out until you work through what is 
right and true for you. But we do not need clients experiencing harm or doing any labor in their sessions. (laughs) They're paying you for your labor. You don't need them to be doing the labor of um, helping you heal and understand what love looks like or any of that. So refer out. Refer out, refer out. (laughs) Definitely. And and also like use, use that as an opportunity yourself to do your own work. Like Mm -hmm. don't just refer out and go, okay, I'm good. Now I'm going to work with my ideal client. Like we need to like, let this stuff sink in and be thinking about why do I have these biases? What's this coming from? What, if you're a Christian counselor, what does the Bible actually say about this and talking to other faith-based counselors about it? Yeah. Yeah. We all have come to different conclusions about that in our own time, you know, and I wonder why, because maybe it's just not so as rigid as, as we were taught, you know, growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about your story, Whitney, is this, the through line of being true to who you are and what you believe and acting in love in all things. The start of your practice was out of love for your clients and concern for them. Starting a group was out of love for other clinicians and what you experienced and how you wanted to help others. And then the consulting too, leading with love. You can't go wrong there. Thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. I'm going to have to uh, keep (laughs) listening to this episode after every time I get down, I'm like, oh yeah, I lead with love. That's right. Repeat after me, Whitney. That's right. Lead with love always. I think, um, and it's also just a testament for anyone listening of how what you care about can be a part of your work and inform how you do the work. And there's lots of ways to do this work. It's not just sitting with a client, um, though, if that's all you wanted to do, that's okay too. But there's lots of variety and options out there. And I feel so fortunate to have heard your story and to be able to collab with you and work with you in the consulting world. Um, And it gives me hope for faith-based practices to have coaches who and consultants like you who are really passionate about that and want to help it get better so that we reduce the harm and we improve access for people and that everyone is affirmed when they go see a therapist. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Kelly. Mm -hmm. So where can people learn more about you? Yes, I do have a website, WhitneyOwens.com. So it's easy to remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. And you have a podcast, you do consulting and you have an upcoming summit. I don't know when this will come out, but you've always got something going on. So check out Whitney's website. If you are a faith-based practice and and wanting to learn more about how to live that out in your work. Yeah. And if you do go to the website, there's a banner at top for a freebie for your audience. It's just four tips to networking with churches, if that's something they're interested in. Um, and then I also am on Instagram, which is so fun, right? Like all the reels and stuff. So mm-hmm. you can follow me at Whitney Owens Consulting there. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So if you've been listening, let us know what you think about this episode. If you know of a faith-based practice, um, share it with them. You know, more knowledge, the more we can tap into our wisdom and help heal the world together. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for being here. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, 
Don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.